You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. Most positive part of Romans, the eighth chapter starts in the first verse. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now that falls right on the heels of where the apostle Paul is trying to teach them, oh, wretched man that I am, back in verse 724, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? In other words, he's saying when I struggled with my flesh, uh, my flesh was crying out for someone to make a way. When I was struggling and living in my fleshly way and in my earthly desire, there was something down on the inside of me that kept saying, there's got to be a better way than this. Oh, wretched man, every time I try to do what's right, I find myself uh, at war with what I know to be right. So there's something wrong in me. There's something broken down inside of me, and I need someone to deliver me. This is the same gentleman who we know as Saul, who first appears in the word at the stoning of Stephen. Has that great, how do we say it? He has that great conversion there on the road to Emmaus when the When the Lord shows up to him, he falls to the ground, and those around him hear a voice but can't make it out. Uh, But but Saul hears clearly what it is, and Jesus said, It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Why are you fighting me, O little earthly creature? You should be preaching for me. And before it was all said and done, Paul had a conversion right there on the Emmaus or on the Damascus Road, right there. His conversion happened when he said, Oh Lord, I don't know who you are. But I submit myself to you. And then Jesus introduced himself. Oh, Saul, guess what? I am Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. Now get up over this road and go find yourself a place to consecrate yourself for three days because I'm going to send somebody in. And when they're done with you, boy, you are not going to be the same person you were that fell on this road. And so now he's writing in chapter. Boy, I'm going to just follow this thing. He's writing in chapter 1 and there in, in, I mean, verse 1 in chapter 8, and he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, but because uh, he had that encounter on the Damascus road, it was right there in that moment of his conversion when suddenly he realized, suddenly it landed down in his spirit, suddenly he understood that uh, this wretched man that's been driving me by religious zeal and religious fervor. This man uh, that has been driving me to hold the letter of the law is the man uh, that couldn't see the trees for the forest. Uh, I'm the man uh, who finds myself short uh, of God. I thought I was doing God a favor by wiping out a sect uh, of people who have lost their mind and building a false cult. Uh, But in that moment, he found out the reality 
of who Jesus was. And now he's standing on this side of his conversion saying, oh, thank God he doesn't hold my past against me. Even though I even was there and agreeing to murder and stoning and I had letters to drag people out of their homes and to to put them to a, a death. Thank God there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't know if that makes you want to clap and shout, but that makes me want to clap and shout. Come on, Holy Ghost, jump on them. Jump down to verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. What's he doing? He's still talking between chapter 7 and chapter 8. He's building us a picture. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. To be carnally minded in the next verse is what? To be carnally minded is what? So why does the church live in its carnality so much? Come on, let's just just get where it's at. Why are we so carnal so much of the time? Our heart says yes. Our heart says praise his name. Our heart wants him. But then we leave this place. Temptation comes and the next thing you know, we're playing around. I'm just going to talk straight. Get used to it. I'm just going to talk straight. We come in here, our hands up. It's kumbaya. And then we leave this place and we find ourselves slipping into this, slipping into that, slipping into something else. Thought we were stronger than that. Thought we were doing better than that. And suddenly our flesh and its nature and its carnality revisits us. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have had a revisit? How many of you had a revisit this morning just getting ready for church? Don't raise your hand now. Look at this. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Can I tell you how to measure whether you're living in carnality or not? It's in the word. Is what you're doing bringing you life or death? Is what you're doing adding to you or removing from you life? When you lay your head on the pillow at night, is it in peaceful sleep? Or are you troubled with many things, Martha? God is ready For us, church, to stand up. I could stop right there, but I won't. Because I like to hear me preach. The Holy Spirit has been on me this morning. He laid this on me. I know some of you wrestled through the night. How many wrestled through the night knew that there were things and the enemy was fighting you and bringing things to your mind? And I want you to know something. Do not live in yesterday and do not pull up your past. 
Get in your here and your now and stay there and stay locked in and with your focus locked on Jesus and Jesus alone. Now that's worth praising his name for. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That is your measuring stick, ladies and gentlemen. Because the carnal mind is enmity or war against God. You may not feel like you're doing anything sinful, but I want you to understand that if you're not spiritually minded, you are at war with God in your inner man. How many are tired of being at war with God and you just want to get into God and go with God? How many want to join God in the war and not be at war with him? How many knows that anyone in war with God never wins? Ask Goliath. <laughs> Y'all are just way too sober. Because the carnal mind is enmity with God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. See, the word interprets itself. <laughs> the carnal mind goes to war with God. <laughs> And the inner peace of God cannot even enter there. So the measuring stick is where am I living? Is my life full, more full of life every day? Or is my life being chipped away a little at a time? I come in on Sunday and I'm excited. I'm filled up to overflowing. I make it to the parking lot. Chip one. Something went wrong. I get into Monday and something at work goes wrong. Chip too. By the time I get back to Wednesday night service, I'm all chipped up. And then if we can't make it to Wednesday night service, we got to go all the way to Sunday. And by the time we get there, we're just back into a place where our mind is at war. There is no peace. We're needing help. Somebody tell me what to do. When we have all the answer we need, it's not to get out of the spirit, but to stay with him. I didn't say that's easy. I'm not here to paint you some rosy picture that's not true. It takes labor and work to be in the presence of God. It takes labor. I have to work at my peace. That's in the word. It says labor to enter into peace. Labor to enter into rest with God. How do I do that? By throwing all my stuff down and resting in him. And that's a work because my mind wants to control everything. Oh, man, I'm having fun. You all don't look like you're having near as much fun as I am. Mm. So, so then, verse 8, they that are in the flesh cannot... If you mark in your Bible about mark that, I'm reading out of King James. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now let me read it to you out of the Amplified. So then those who are living the life of the flesh, catering to the appetites and impulses of their carnal nature, cannot please or satisfy God or be acceptable to him. So then, those who are living the life 
of the flesh, catering to the appetites and the impulses of their carnal nature, cannot please or satisfy God or be acceptable to him. Where did this all start? Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in. (laughs) I'd underline that little word right there. In. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's why the word says that when Jesus comes, we will be revealed. Why? Because we've been hidden in him. When the world encounters you, they shouldn't encounter you. They should encounter the Christ in you. That's why I have to resist impulses like getting on the phone and telling that bill collector what I think. Because that's my opportunity to be Christ to them. Or to be ugly to that person in Walmart who cut in line in front of me. Come on, I know I'm bringing this down to real simple things, but this is, this is reality. They should not get the fleshly me in that moment. You know, I have people at, at Walmart, and I'm sure some of them may have figured out who I am in town, but there are people at Walmart when I come through, they get all happy when I come through the line because they know I'm going to pick on them, and they know I'm going to tease them, and they know I'm going to have fun with them, and they know when I leave them, I'm going to say, God bless you. All the waitresses in town know who I am. I mess with them horrible, but in a fun way. And I tip them like I mean it, like I want to be a blessing to them. Sometimes I do it almost to our own detriment, but it don't belong to me anyway. I want to be Christ to Cameron. I get the opportunity to sit with some of our city council now. I want to be Christ to them. That doesn't mean I come in and agree with everything they say, but at the same time, it doesn't mean I come in and oppose everything they do and try to take the upper road and act as if I'm more holy than they are. It's my opportunity to bring the real Jesus into that room so they can meet him face to face through my eyeballs. Is this too hard? Because the weaning started yet. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Oh, my gosh. Did you just hear that? I just pronounced over you what the apostle Paul knew from his encounter in Christ. This is something that he said in council with the other apostles, and they understood in their spirit, and every believer in the first century understood this, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. How many born-again, blood-bought children of the Most High God are in this room? Raise your hand. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Keep it up. Keep it up real big. Everybody look around. Just look around. Look around the whole room. Look around the whole room. Come on now. Come on. This is a room full of world changers right here. This world right here can change this region single-handedly. We don't need anyone else's help. We could change this region by the 
the hands that are raised in this room. Why? Because we're not in the flesh. We are in the spirit translated in Jesus Christ. <laughs> Say it again, Colleen. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. And we're in the spirit, not in the flesh. It's that we haven't disciplined our mind to understand the difference. We have to understand that the measuring stick is how much life and peace is happening in you. This was not my message, but it's my message. How much life and how much peace is leading you? If you're laying your head on the pillow tonight, troubled, and I'm not saying it won't happen from time to time. Neither was the apostle. He was trying to get you to understand if you have that moment, stand up and remind yourself and stir once again. Like he told Timothy, stir that gift that's down on the inside of you because the life of Christ is in you. You were buried with him in your baptism. Your sins were washed away as far as the east is from the west. You live underneath a continuous blood covering as long as you don't step out of it by your own will and your own attitude if you'll allow yourself to stay in the spirit and measure it by the peace and the life that's going on in you and around you. If you can see life and peace, you're in the spirit. If you can see life and peace, you're walking in the rudiments of Jesus Christ. If you see life and peace, you're right where you need to be. If you don't, run back, run back, run back, run back to him. Don't stay there, even in a split second when you realize, I'm troubled about such and so. I'm troubled about life. I don't feel peace. Fall on your face. Fall on your face and cry out and remind yourself, you are not of the rudiments of the carnal nature, but of the spirit. Mm, I got to hurry. Oh, wait a minute. I got till noon. We're good. I just saw panic run across the whole auditorium. <laughs> oh, come on now, but look at this. And if Christ be in you, it's a conditional word. If is a conditional clause. So you got to measure that. You all raised your hand by your own confession. We're good. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. This is why the word says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's already made that deposit in you. Sealed you to the day of redemption through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The only thing an agent that can pull you away is not that little cartoony character we call the devil with his red pajamas and tail and horns. That entity that lurks behind the scenes to try to take you out, who's constantly bombarding your mind and waging war against your faculties. 
He can't take you out. He's a punk. He can't take you out. And can I just tell you this? He doesn't control every circumstance in your life either. Circumstances happen because life has been set in motion by the first man, Adam. And that's why negative things happen in the here and now. It is not even the devil's fault. Oh, you don't even want to hear that, do you? The devil can't make you do a thing. I would go to this old reference from way back in when, but everybody in the room that was born beyond 1960 wouldn't even know what I'm talking about. There used to be a TV show when a character on that TV show would always act. It was a church person that they were portraying, and they always said, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Every time they'd do something wrong, it was the devil made me do it. No, the devil can't make you do a thing. He can only tempt you and lead you to something by drawing you away by something you already want. But if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he hath raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You have something in common with Christ. We're resurrection creatures. I almost threw it. I almost threw it down. We're resurrection creatures. Yes, we're waiting on the final resurrection, but in the here and now, I'm a kingdom dweller. I live in the kingdom, in the here and now. I am a dweller of the kingdom principles of a literal kingdom that one day will be stationed upon the earth, but right now is centrally located in heaven. But I'm living in what Jesus brought to the earth and left behind for me. You're living in what Jesus left behind for you. His presence through the paraclete. His, pez, his presence through the Ruach HaKadosh. His presence. Do you understand that you literally have the mind of Christ because you have Christ's inner dwelling called the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit? Church, we've lived so far beneath the means of what God's called us to do, it's not even funny. Trying to figure out formulas and trying to work things out when all we got to do is stand up and be who we were called to be. The more we study, the more we prove ourselves, we don't understand him. We get things, you order books, you order this, you order that. You read those materials at the very end. You go, I don't know any more than I really knew before. Why? Because we need to catch the revelation of Jesus Christ and the understanding of who he is. And the only way to get that is in his word and in his presence. In his word and in his presence. I'm going to say it again. In his word and in his presence. If I keep myself out of prayer, I'm not going to know him. I can know the word, but I won't know him. 
Come on, they go hand in hand. This word is life. It brings life to me. And this word will establish me in both life and peace. But what really makes me a kingdom dweller is that daily walk with him. Going into my prayer closet, coming to prayer on Tuesday night, crying out his name, not being afraid, not being ashamed, not being af afraid of sitting in a stadium of 7,000 people. And when they sing Amazing Grace in the middle of a country music show, my hand goes up and says, yes, Jesus, I'm here to magnify you and glorify you. I don't care who sees me. I'm here to give you honor and glory because I do not dwell in the kingdoms of this earth, but I dwell in a kingdom far beyond this kingdom and realm. I live where you are, Father. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, I do not have to dwell and piddle around with all of the dictates of my carnal nature that wars against God because I'm already in tune with him. I walk with him. I talk with him. I fellowship with him. I study after him. I know his word. It is down in me. It's down in my bones. There are times when fires shut up in my bones, and I'm at a place right now when I'm tired of my own mouth I'm tired when my mouth speaks doubt I'm tired of when my, my mind wars against me I'm tired of those moments I'm ready to step into the fullness of what God has and if you're ready to step into the fullness of what God has I want you to raise your hands across this building and I want you to ask God right now and repent for whatever you're wrestling with in your heart and in your mind and let him know that he is your everything those of you that are streaming. Don't just sit there like a lump on a log looking. Get your hands in the air and call unto your God and let him know that he is your everything and you're walking out of your carnality and you're walking into his presence and his spirit to, to live out the remainder of your days in his goodness, in his presence, in his glory, in his power. Father, we magnify you. We glorify you. Father, we shake off the rudiments of our flesh. We shake off the naysaying in our own mind. We shake off the war. We, we shake off, Father, all of the negativity and the propulsion, Father, and the temptation to step into a sinful realm. Father, we are saying no, 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 a thousand times no to the impulses and the dictates of our flesh. And yes, 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 a thousand times yes to Christ Jesus. It is he that rules and reigns in my life. Thank you, Lord. Wow. <laughs> I love this line, he shall quicken your mortal body. I'm going somewhere, I promise. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. You owe the flesh nothing. What did the fleshly nature ever do for you? How many of you found yourselves in life in compromising positions, knowing the truth, but because of the dictates of your carnal nature, you found yourself in a place of compromise? Come on. Come on. 
I'm not picking on you. I love you. I'm not picking. I'm not up here ranting and raving because I'm mad. I'm up here ranting and raving because I'm tired of the devil. Overrunning the church, plaguing our minds, fighting us, waging war. I'm tired of surface living. Much of the church, we live our Christianity on the surface. Good songs, good sermon, good meeting. I thank God our praise and worship team doesn't have thin skin. Because when you're under the anointing, brother, things are bold. Listen to me. I ain't apologizing. I got to follow the Holy Ghost. The church needs a whooping. I'm sorry, the church needs a spank. We've played around way too long. We should have been far beyond where we are now. But so many of us, and when I say that, I'm saying all of us. I'm not in, including or excluding. I'm just saying in general. In this region, I, yes, this region, we're real good at religion, but we're not very good with revival. We're real good with religion because we've bounced from church to church and pastor to pastor and meeting to meeting. But we're not finding ourselves on our face up here in the presence of God. Sometimes the power and the presence is so good, and I know some of us physically, that's a real challenge. But in my heart, in my mind, I can be bowing in the presence of God. And when God's moving in this place, we need to be reverent. Reverence and fear have gone clear out the window. The word says to fear God. The fear of the Lord is wisdom. That reverential fear that he is worthy of it all. He's the creator of it all and could have wiped it out at any moment, but chose because he values you to keep it all in motion. Paid a horrendous price that you or I would never want to face to keep it all in motion. I've got brothers and sisters in the faith in other nations and around the world that are suffering persecution today, and their life is on the line, and yet I'm playing. I love Memorial Day, and I love what it's about, and I love our heroes, and I honor them and all of our loved ones that have passed. But this weekend ought to be about the one who gave it all. What memorial should we build to him? What should we lay at his feet? What do we have worthy to lay at his feet? All I have is me. And that's all he wants. And holding nothing back, trying to puff myself up and make myself look bigger than I am or more knowledgeable than I am, does nobody any good but to live open and honest and in humility before God and men. That, that builds you in the spirit. When people can find you relatable, they can, you can reach them. Look at this. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. There are a lot of people walking around this earth and they're dead dead 
And I wish I could say that that's just outside of the church, but there is a large faction of the church of Jesus Christ that are the living walking dead. More concerned about the flavor of our coffee on Sunday morning than we are falling prostrate in his presence and magnifying his name and giving him the glory that is due him. Is everyone okay? Have I skinned anyone too hard? Don't raise your hand because then I'll have to repent. Look at this, verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if, once again conditional, you through the Spirit, here's our part. This is our responsibility. Are you with me? Do mortify, that means kill, deaden, deprive the deeds of the body. You shall live. For if you live after the flesh, you might as well play taps, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit, how do you do it? Through the Spirit. Do mortify the deeds of the body. You shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God or children of God. This is the message the world's really wanting. Tell me what I got to do to really be acceptable to God. Don't tell me how I can appease my flesh, feel comfortable, and then go home and be just as much a sinner as I was before I darkened the doors of the church house. Help me to stop my counseling load. Always having to run for counsel for this and that. And that. Now, if you're having counseling, I'm not trying to put condemnation on you. What I'm saying is, a lot of things could be settled, taken care of, especially for those of us who've been serving the Lord for 10 years or more. We ought to be falling on our face. That's the answer. We ought to be in the Word. That's the answer. That's where I'm built up on my most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, allowing Him to lead me, guide me, direct me, teach me, and then expound the Word as I read it. He'll make the Word stand up off the pages like boxcar letters on a train pass. By It'll make sense. All of a sudden, things I read before that made no sense suddenly now have come alive. And anytime God gives you a revelation, you never, ever lose it for the remainder of your life. What I read in this word, I could forget tomorrow, but what God reveals to me is never lost. You all look like, wow, what happened to pastor? I know some of you back are going, Lord, help him. I don't know. He got upset. <laughs> look at this. We got to finish. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. I should probably read out of the Amplified, but I'm going to continue. But you have received the spirit of what? Adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, he's what he's trying to tell us. You don't have to live like you used to because you've been adopted by the king. You don't have to live in doubt and fear and worry and stress. You have been adopted 
by the king. What are you worried about? You don't have to worry with your flesh and war with your members and fight with your mind. You are a child of God. This is why Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In him. Not if him. Come on. Not if him. In him. Not if him. In him. If you dwell, thank you, Matthew, in Christ Jesus, he is the place you now live. Seated with him. If God be for me, If God be for me, who can be against me? The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Do you know what a joint heir is? You know what a joint heir is? Come here, Colleen. I've been using her as examples today. You know what a joint heir is? Together, together, look at this, stand right there, let go, let go, I'm in white, I represent holiness and Jesus, she's all dressed in the wrong color here, I'm just, I don't know how, how that even came out or how that happened to be, but it's a good illustration. I will pay for this later, ladies and gentlemen. You know that I will. But here's what Christ has done for us. I see your plight. I understand your pain. I know you can't help it. So come here. It's as if it never happened. It never happened. Now let's go to our reward. Let's go get what belongs to us. Yeah. Step next to me. You ready? Yep. And we now walk with Christ. This is the picture we need as the body of Christ. This is how we live in victory. This is how victory happens. I'm coming all the way back. This is how victory works. Is I can't do it on my own. Let's go back. We're walking in the spirit with Christ Jesus. Walking with him. Walking with him as a joint heir. Everything that Jesus has won belongs to me. Everything that Jesus is, I have become. Everything that he, he wants, I am in him, not of myself. 
I want to make that very, very clear. You're not Jesus. You're joint heir with Jesus. But what he has, what does he have? Everything. He has everything. Now, here's the problem. I'm going to, I ain't even got to where I was going to go. Here's the problem. We start this journey with Jesus and then let go. And then we let go. And we're still carrying his covering. We're still carrying his, his works for us. But we're trying to do it without him. This is where carnality slips in. Okay, Pastor Colleen, come this way. This is where carnality slips in. She's running back to Jesus. <laughs> hey, absolutely. Absolutely. Because as that happens, as, as you become more carnally minded, this covering becomes less and less and less. Not because Christ has given up, because you've given up. Not because Christ ever gives up, you give up. You understand? Does this make, does this make sense? Is everybody catching what I'm saying? And this is what it is to walk in the Spirit, hand together, together, together. Let me bring you down to the verse I wanted to get to. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit, it says itself, but I don't like that. Let's say himself. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. So if so, if so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. In other words, sufferings might come because of your walking with him. But how much better would this life be to suffer for Jesus than to try to stumble around trying to figure it out on your own? Verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also being delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth together in travail and pain together until now. Mm. Verse 23, I'm going to read out of the Amplified. And not only the creation, but we ourselves too, who have and enjoy the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, a foretaste of blissful things to come, groan inwardly as we wait for the redemption of our bodies from the sensuality of the grave, which will reveal our adoption as the manifestation as God's sons. For in this hope we are saved, but hope of the object which is seen is not hope. For how can one hope for what? He already sees, but if we hope for what is still unseen by us, we wait for it with patience and composure. Verse 26, so too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness, for we do not know what prayer to offer nor how to offer it worthily as we ought, but the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. And he who searches the hearts 
of men knows what is the mind of the Holy Spirit and what his intent is. And because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with his will, we are sure to know that God being our partner in their labor, that all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and his purpose. Back in verses 18 and 19, and I'll end with this. It talks about the fact that we groan and all of creation groans. I stood uh, last night in that uh, concert arena of about 7,000 people, and I got a vision of our church. You may think I'm crazy. So does God, and that's a good thing. And I was standing there, and I was looking at the people around me, and my heart was sober, not, not, not condemning. My heart wasn't condemning. My heart was sober in that, oh, they, if they could just for one second know what I know, if they could just for one second feel what I feel, if they could just for one moment Know what it is to dance in the presence of God. If they could just know for one moment the intoxication of the Holy Spirit. You see, what I witnessed was people, and in my little realm, I don't get to mingle with the world a lot. And so sometimes you forget is that okay to say? Sometimes you forget the struggles of others. And in that place, I was watching. I was, I'm a people watcher. I was watching people. Good people. Good people. Good people. Polite, kind. And I was watching going, oh, Lord, if they knew you, if they knew you, they wouldn't have to self-medicate. But because they have a carnal nature, they have to self-medicate because we've got the word that just told us why. There's no life. There's no life. The things they're trying to draw life from don't offer life. And the things they're trying to draw peace from bring no peace. There is no peace in this world apart from Jesus Christ. None. 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 And my heart just sank. I hate to say this because my wife spent a lot of money and time to take me to this. And, 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 and I wanted to enjoy it because I love that kind of music and I love, I love those two entertainers. And I'm not being ugly. I'm not being ugly. But I walked away going, well, that added nothing to my life. I didn't get any life from it. I'm not condemning them. I'm not condemning anything about them, any person in the building. For me, there was no life. Until someone sang, how great thou art. 
And in that moment, life entered the building. In that moment, I went, yes. Yes. He is my life. And he can be their life. Passion Church. We are the light and the life for our generation. Because Jesus was the light and the life, and we're joint heirs. And Cameron's waiting for us. This region's waiting for us. To stop dabbling, start living. How many want to live in Christ? How many want to live in Christ? I want to live in Christ. Worship team, would you mind coming back to the platform? I know, I rocked church, broke it all up, tore it up. Ripped it up into a hundred pieces. They'll never let me open on a Sunday morning again. My job is to help you get across the finish line. What God has set me in this region to do is not to single-handedly try to do some vast work. He sent me here to encourage you that we might do a vast work. That's my job. And even within these walls, some of us struggle. Some of us are in pain. Some of us are wrestling more with carnality than we are walking in the Spirit. Those of you who are streaming, if there's not peace in your life, if you don't have measurable peace, then you're not in the Spirit. And I'm not being condemning. I'm trying to help you. There's a better way. There's a better way. Fall in love with him. Hold nothing back. Restrain nothing from Jesus. When you come to him, give him everything. Everything. Here I am, God. We're in varying different stages of our maturity in this place. And I was telling Colleen, I said, you know, there was a time when I went to events and things that I didn't notice the difference between what I was doing and my time with God. It was just a life. But I've grown to the place now that nothing else satisfies. And I don't have it all together, and I'm not here to try to tell you. (laughs) 
that I should be lifted up or looked up to. I'm here to tell you, the more you sell out, the less hold this world has on you. And the more valuable you are in God's use in the kingdom. Because the world can't attach anything to you. They don't connect. They just see something different. They can't say, hey, you're just like me. You do this, that, and the other. No, because I don't. Follow my line of thinking. And this is what the Lord needs from the church. People, he says it clearly in his word, set apart. Peculiar doesn't mean strange and weird. It means different. We're to be different, church. Different. In other words, remember when Jesus said, I know I got to quit. When Jesus said, the devil has come. He closed his mouth and wouldn't talk in a time of great temptation. So that he, by his mouth, wouldn't confess or say or react or do something that would drag him into a sinful posture. And he made this statement, the devil has come, but he can't find anything in me. He can't accuse me. He can't condemn me. He can't, he can't get a case against me. Now, I have a past he can drag up and throw in my way, but I also have a paraclete. And I also have an advocate. And I can say, well, you can drag it up if you want to, but he don't remember. You and I remember, devil, what I did, but he don't remember. He erased it. And there is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Would you stand? Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.